The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the views of anyone. All facts presented here are 100% true and accurate unless they aren't. We use strong language, including Russian and Latvian here, so listener circumspection is advised. I think you should stop snorting gas. That's how I spend my evenings. Gotta get to sleep somehow, my Jesus. So what are we talking about today? Today we wanted to cover the subject for which our show is named, The Woods. Forests, woods, swamps, all beautiful places of nature that invoke a sense of peace and adventure. Sometimes that sense of adventure leads us to parts of the woods which stir up primal instincts that can sometimes be difficult to explain. We find ourselves on strange paths at strange times, curious as to what lies in spaces usually unoccupied by human eyes. When we do, we experience things that make us want to flee in fear, yet after the fact, leave us searching to find what exactly we found in the woods somewhere. Today, one of the best storytellers we know, a dear friend, Ruben, is here to help us delve into those tree-ridden areas where airs of mystery linger like a mist over a field. That was beautiful. Including the giant swallow in the middle. I laughed, I cried, it became a part of me. <laughs> the idea of weird things happening out there in the woods, weird things happening out there in the forest. And even in deserts. And in the desert, just kind of in the wilderness, away from the civilization. Um, sure, you get some weird things happening in downtown Cincinnati and maybe in L.A., but in L.A., those things are all explainable by the fact that uh, people are weird. Uh, but out in the woods somewhere, you really do get... Uh, kind of the enduring legends, the primal, instinctive legends that endure well into modern-day society. You don't have to go far into any wilderness to feel as though you could just get lost and never return. And anything could be out there. Hiding. Yeah. Especially once uh, once it gets dark. Uh, Do you want to tell really that story? Interesting. Uh, I don't know. I was uh, I was doing a night hike, which is basically you hike a trail during the day and then you come back at night without any lights. Well, use a red headlamp just so you don't kill your night vision and just in case you get into a tricky spot. Um, but you come back without any lights and you then hike the trail backwards, uh, completely just going on your own personal night vision, sound and feel. Um, it's a lot of fun. But as I was coming through a clearing about 10 feet to the, uh, to the right, I heard several creatures devouring something. And in my mind, instantaneously, these creatures were 10 feet tall and slavering monsters. Uh, giant sharp teeth. I, you know, started stomping around and making a lot of noise like you do in nature. Just prove to everything that you're bigger than it is and you'll generally be safe. They were probably foxes. They were probably foxes. And I heard them run off and I, you know, it was very much, um, they were probably foxes. Yeah, but, but it's still, you can't tell. When you can't see, which the woods are notorious and the wilderness is notorious for uh, in hampering vision, vision. Um, when you can't see, 
it just it amplifies everything and even certain benign things become extremely even creepy. just on the edge of the woods even still close to sort of civilization that's why i always ask on pretty much all of our encounters uh, if there was ever any sound involved because that's truly in my mind that's what really gets you on a uh, it really turns your stomach pants peeing level yeah hearing more than anything well the idea of like Creepy stuff. I mean, there are it haunted forests. It goes back forests. since the beginning of civilization. Since the civ- yeah, exactly. Any place too far away from the campfire is a place of danger. Uh, and even today, we have um, you can go on a worldwide tour of haunted forests and forests where just some really creepy stuff happens. The most famous is probably the uh, Aokigahara Forest in Japan. Uh, known as the Suicide Forest. Uh, Originally, it was said to be inhabited by the uh, Yurai, uh, Earthbound Spirits of the Dead. Now it's known as a place uh, where over 500 suicides have been committed. Uh, It's just uh, the place where people go to die. Uh, Very, very famous. You can find all about it uh, the more you look. And people still kill themselves in that forest (coughs) to this day, so don't go in that forest if you are not expecting to see a corpse. There are large signs on certain trails um, at the trailhead warning people to think of their families, think of their loved ones, uh, and call someone before they start down this trail. So tell us about um, some of So the I, probably the second most famous haunted forest, weird forest in the world would probably be the Black Forest in Germany. This is where all of Grimm's original fairy tales came from. We're not talking about the fairy tales you actually tell your kids. We're talking about the dark, creepy, kids being chopped up and baked into pies, Grimm's fairy tales. All of these fairy tales were originally lore and folklore that they had heard regarding the Black Forest. And this is also where Vlad the Impaler resided, correct? No, no. That is actually in the Hoi Baikiu Forest in Romania. Oh. uh, Which, present-day Romania, uh, it is is where Transylvania exists. Um, I mean, Transylvania is in the middle of this forest. Vlad the Impaler... This forest has a long history of just being very dark. Also, but we're not just talking Europe. We're not just talking like okay. old school. We're talking. Right, there is the Dow Hill Forest in India, Hang which on. is there is one cryptid that we have not talked about in Transylvania that I wanted to mention really quick. And vampires? That is, no, um, sweet transvestites actually. Ah, but they are from transsexual Transylvania. Oh yeah, the planet. Which That's is right. a planet in a solar system. Yeah. Good remembering. Um, Good remembering, yes. Um, That's what I'm known for. So in addition to otherworldly spirits from other galaxies, also called Transylvania, we have, but also a different place around the world. I mean, everyone knows, you know, Central Europe is haunted as hell. Uh, The the Dow Forest in India, uh, which is, uh, was home to the Dow Hill Boys School, some truly horrible things happened at this boys' school. The entire forest is still said to be haunted by the boys. Uh, regular kidnappings, regular bodies found in the woods, just some really massacre stuff. And then also, I think, probably, maybe not haunted, but just one of those, like, really intensely creepy things that just kind of 
happens that I came across. It's was, probably haunted. It, it's probably haunted. Let's face it. It's the it's the Isla de Muñecas. Uh, help me out here, Ruben. Isla de Muñecas. There you go. Uh, it's in Mexico, uh, just off the coast. Uh, apparently, uh, about 50 years ago, the only resident of the island, quote-unquote, found the body of a dead girl floating in a canal. He could have actually just found it and that spirit attached itself to him. Entirely possible. Entirely possible that he's telling the truth. We can't just slander some random dude no, on we, our podcast. We know how often people tell the truth. Const- all the time. Yeah, I especially never... if there's any sort of fame on the line. Oh, oh. Uh, Wait. But anyway, for some reason, for some reason... No one knows why. Wait, people for lie for fame? No, 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 yes. Oh, shit. That's disappointing. Regardless, for some reason, this I'm little girl... I'm disappointed in you all. This little girl decided to haunt this dude. Uh, and uh, then one day he found a, a doll floating in the canal that he believed belonged to the little girl. So in tribute and also in to, uh, to ward off this spirit... He, he hung the body of the doll in a tree. That would keep me away. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether I was a spirit or not, I think it would keep me away. Yeah. Well, that he wasn't done. The spirit didn't stop. Or if you're like stop. a really twisted kid, you're like, free dolls. And uh, you know what they awesome say. Look at doll island. They're growing on the trees. If, if something doesn't work, keep trying till it does. For the next 50 years, he continued to hang bodies of dolls and headless heads of dolls in the trees. I think he figured out how to grow dolls on trees, and he's just lying to us about this whole thing. Regardless, the entire island, it's a tourist trap now. He's dead, but the dolls still remain. Every tree has at least one doll. Many trees are covered with multiple dolls. Uh, Can I tell my story? According to the lore... He was haunted by this girl until the day he died. wonder what happened when he actually died. You know, if he had hung a blue bottle instead of a doll, yeah. or just burned some sage, Do some salt. use some olive oil and wine, I mean, there are rituals all over the place. I don't know of anyone that requires you to hang dolls in trees. I am, like, way into Halloween. Obviously, I mean, I'm doing this show, so, yeah, I love Halloween. And I would always try to make our yard as creepy as possible with the help of my family. And we were trying to figure out how to make our yard even creepier this year. And, I mean, not this year, but that year. The year that this happened. And my mom was driving down the highway, and she saw that some poor kid had lost, like, an entire suitcase full of stuffed animals, and they were just strewn about the... the, side of the highway so she pulled over and she like was like ha 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 and she picked them all up and she put them all in her van and they were already a bit fucked up from being strewn about the road um but then we like cut them with scissors and we burned the edges of it and we even like let our dogs get a hold of a couple of them and we hung them up and strung them up in the yard and we had this like we had some other decorations like we had uh, a couple tombstones, some severed heads, I believe, and this awesome little fog bubble machine from Spirit. And See, I'm not sure if the bubbles makes that more horrifying. It made it more fun because then people were less terrified. If Jeffrey Dahmer's house had been filled with bubbles when the cops broke in, would that have made it better? And then I... I'd be like, oh, shit. I would totally be distracted. If you're going to be a serial killer, I think that if you know the SWAT team's on the way, like fill your house with bubbles, you never know. 
You never know. It might give, provide those valuable few seconds. Police are easily distracted in some of those cases, but we're not here to talk about that. Don't do that, folks. Don't serial kill. It's a bad habit, and uh, this is entirely satire. Yeah, if you're going to gonna pick up a bad habit, just pick up sniffing gas like me. Yes. Don't smoke. Don't serial kill. I think we can all agree on these things. At least serial killing. Yeah, probably don't serial kill. Yeah, definitely not. Well, according to, okay, so in my, in my research, I was actually, according to parents who have uh, interesting worldviews, my stepfather actually presented me with an interesting story uh, from the Black Forest's younger, less recognized cousin, the Odenwald. Now, the Odenwald is known as, uh, it's named after Odin, uh, the uh, figure from uh, Norse mythology. Uh, known the as all the Father, the All Father, uh, the One-Eyed, uh, and Sir Anthony Hopkins, um, or Ian McShane. If you're more of a fan of American Gods than you are of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we uh, we are an equal opportunity employer here. Uh, Ian McShane and Sir Anthony Hopkins are both Odin, and we all know it. Wow. Anyway, named after a pretty dark Norse god. Uh, this guy, this is not uh, the happy, friendly god you would normally think of. He's not like the Santa Claus Odin that is often portrayed. No, no. A very human sacrifice god. Lots of human sacrifice very god. Very metal. Very metal god. Very metal god. Absolutely. Perhaps the most metal of all gods. Um, and this forest was named after him. All right, So they knew a long time ago that this forest was kind of messed up. Now, back in 804, there was a monastery called St. Michael's that was absolutely obliterated. Uh, the Branch Abbey, the Lorch Abbey, um, they knew it was destroyed. There's documentation that the place was destroyed, but there isn't actually any reason why. No one knows, no one knows who, who killed all the monks of this abbey. But so it, wait, was, it, was, they, it was destroyed. It was burned down to the nub. Okay, uh, no survivors. It was just completely obliterated. It just there was uh, the Lorsch Abbey had a branch called the Saint Michael's Monastery, and then one day they didn't. Wow, that's crazy. Now they rebuilt that monastery uh, two mountaintops <laughs> over, and that monastery actually exists today. It's just north of Heidelberg, uh, in the Odenwald. My stepfather, who was stationed in uh, Heidelberg, now my stepfather. Uh, this is uh, a story. Okay, listen, we all have reputations to uphold here. So let me just say that this is a story told to me by my stepfather in the first person. Quote, unquote. Um, he was stationed in Heidelberg from January of 71 to February of 72. Um, according to him, now this is a long-standing legend that he actually witnessed. There was a little quintet and several of the friends who had gone out to the forest to, you know, practice music and play in the woods, you know, because being part of a quintet is an excellent place to get laid, and the woods is an excellent place to get laid. Um, <laughs> so a, a lot of people had gone out to uh, up among these ruins uh, because to they had practice. great acoustics and quote unquote. Uh, according, oh, the great acoustics. That's uh, why they went into the woods. According to Mickey Rockland, known as Rocky, as his friends, um, it would have made a fantastic album cover. Quote, unquote. That's why they were up in the ruins. Not to drop acid. Not to, 
uh, get wildly laid in a group orgy involving instruments. But because it would have made a great album cover. This was the 70s. You got to remember. Yeah, you got to remember. It was all about the album covers back then. All about the album covers. You got to do what you got to do to get this album cover. Um, Definitely not smoking fat blunts in now, the hills. They were awake. Some of them were awake. Some of them were awakened by the rest of the group. When they saw uh, through the fog, they saw a procession of monks wandering their way up the hill towards the ruins. These monks were swinging censers. These monks, uh, according to him, they looked like they should have been chanting, but there was absolutely no sound. Were there even procession. nature sounds, or it was just the procession that was silent? There were nature sounds. There were no, there were no sounds from the procession, not even footsteps, uh, which anyone who's seen a group of people marching along knows that that makes a sound, yeah. uh, even a vibration on the earth. Um, they watched them and for... And even if it was just a group of monks that was, happened to be silent, I know you're going to finish the story in a second, but... Even if that were a thing, like, watching people walk silently through the woods is it, not... It may have been a group of monks from the monastery to the rebuilt monastery, two hillsides over, paying a tribute to the old ruins. Still creepy. However, they watched them. They were lying in the ruins. They were camping in the ruins. They watched these monks approach for about 12 to 15 minutes. They watched them march up the hill towards the ruins. The monks never arrived at the ruins. They just went around a bend in the forest and just disappeared. Weird. Several people saw this. Several people were witnesses. This was not like, you know, just one guy out in the woods somewhere. This, this absolutely happened and can be corroborated by many people. Uh, and these monks, this, this was not the only group of people to see these. These monks have traditionally haunted the place of their original monastery uh, since uh, 1850-ish when it was destroyed. Cool. Well, speaking of sightings, in the woods like that, um, one place in the United States that is very well known for yeah, let's bring it. Let's bring it back home a little bit. Yeah, bring it. Let's. Uh, we bring all it know all over the world. There's stuff that happens, but let's bring it stateside. Um, the Pine Barrens in New Jersey is a well-known foresty area. It's. Um, I mean, I don't really even have to go too far into it. It's a home of the Jersey Devil. It's located in New Jersey. It's 1.1 million acres of Pinelands National Reserve. Some weird stuff. Watch Garden State. Uh, it's featured in Garden State, just a weird sinkhole that no one knows why it exists. Just some weird, weird stuff. Well, and also, apparently, accor according, geography. To, according to NJ.com, um, there are ghost towns there. Actual ghost towns yes. within. Yeah, it used to be sort of like a bustling suburban area, and the various towns just sort of faded away over time, and... It turned into this forest. Hey, you know, according to, uh, I, I don't know, according to Congress now, corporations are actually entities. I put it to you that towns are entities in and of themselves, and ghost towns are so named for a reason. They leave an impression. At least the people that live there. And then there's also, which is also in the east, is the Appalachian Trail between uh, Springer Mountain in Georgia and Mount Keta. Katadin, Katadin, and whatever. It's a mountain in Maine. Um, Katadin. I don't know. It's hard. It's a, Listen, it's a I lived up uh, in Asheville, North Carolina, right in these mountains. You're right; they're re 
crazy haunted. Um, um, well, it, it goes but I don't even know how to pronounce that. It's it's so it's so local. It goes from Georgia to Maine. It's a five to seven month trek that a lot of people like to do. It goes to fourteen states. It's twenty two hundred miles long, and um, of course, on a five to seven month hike through the wilderness, you're gonna f- there's gonna come a time where like things start to get weird. Especially if you run out of food and start eating the mushrooms. But they're <laughs> Don't eat the mushrooms. Don't, don't ever eat the mushrooms. Um, eat the mushrooms. Don't lick the toads either. So, um, <laughs> anyway, there have been a ton of sightings. I mean, people that live up in the mountains and will rob people on the trail. That is a thing that definitely 100% happens. Happens to this day. Yes, Absolutely. Yes, Oh, yes. And um, But also, people feel will feel as though they've been stalked by unknown forces um they're like nobody will come out of the woods there have been times where people have um seen like kids walk out of a mist a lot of weird fogs and mists happen on the trail there was one sighting of kids walking out of a mist and one kid was like where are we and the other one was like we're on the appalachian trail and then the other kid was like we're not on the appalachian trail and they just walked into the mist and the couple that reported this story could like hear the kids around them for a long time after that for like the rest of the day, but they never saw them again. Can I just say that I have uh, I've been in some creepy situations. I've been in some primally dangerous situations. Kids are creepy. We can also touch on the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts between Abington, Rehoboth, and Freetown. It's a 200-square-mile area in eastern Massachusetts. Once again, if we have just butchered the hometown where you live and love, um, well, we don't really care, but we're we're sorry anyway. Um, It's also known as the Black Triangle or the Devil's Triangle. It was a Wampanoag. Very famous. Yes, it was a Wampanoag um, Native American stronghold. I'm sorry if I butchered that. Um, there's possibly a lost artifact somewhere in there. Um, sightings of oversized animals, snakes, birds. When you say lost artifact? It is a belt of some sort. Listen, hey, I, I would go search through this area if they have a belt of protection plus five. That's worth, that's worth going on a quest for. I think people have, and they've found giant snakes and giant birds and Bigfoot. There you go. There you go. It is a D&D campaign, Kukukuju. I am going to strap a sword on my back and leave tomorrow. Also, I got some information off of atlasobscura.com. I like Atlas Obscura. I found them on a couple different things. They're, they're so fun. Um, but it's in Roche Harbor off San Juan Island in Washington State. And it's, I mean, people have like seen things, heard things around this area. They have actually, maybe it's just because it's put the name is putting it in their heads, but they've felt like they've seen a glow after sunset around it. Um, And then all the way down south, down here. Now, was that the same one that had the round table Mm -hmm. that tied very, very closely to the Arthurian legend with uh, seven seats around a round table and a tabula rasa? Maybe. Was that the one? It was just an island that some guy owned and he just, he he decided to... He decided to build this structure. Well, this yeah. round structure with several arches and a round table with seven seats on it. His name was something, Mac- uh, I don't know, sorry. It was Mac- Macmillan was the name, his last name. And he basically um, owned this island. He ran a, like a lime company, limestone right. company. And that's what all this stuff is made out of, by the way. Um, 
this whole mausoleum out of limestone. And yeah, I mean, he owned a bunch of businesses on the island, gave a bunch of people jobs. He owned a bunch of land there. And he was, I mean, he was well loved on the island, but that, yeah, that's the one. Um, but let's uh, move down to Texas. Now, pretty much all of East Texas, like the whole piney curtain, as soon as you get back there, you're... Pretty you're much in, everything east and south of Tyler. Yeah, you're in haunted weird stuff. As we've touched on a couple of the forests. There's Sabine National Forest, Davy Crockett National Forest. We are going to Angelina touch on all State of these forests forest. again. Yeah, we'll probably go into more detail and have different sightings in those areas just because there's so much that goes on there. But it's really the only old growth forest in Texas. Okay. Most of the hill country is new growth uh, that really only most of the trees haven't really existed since the cattle drives through yeah. here. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the piney forest, that's actually as old growth as you get in Texas. Yeah. And it is, I mean, it's a beautiful and sometimes creepy place. But where I really want to go is Big Bend National Park, which is, it is Texas's earlobe, if you will. Um Shadow people have been reported... That's better than calling it the saggy ass of Texas. Who calls it that? I just did. Don't call it that. No, call it the earlobe of Texas. That's much better. So in Big Bend, er, shadow people have been spotted near hot springs. Shadow people? Yeah. So near Langford, the Langford hot springs, um, people will shine their lights and not see anyone and then... They're, turn their lights off and what? what is it? Keep going, keep oh. going. People will shine their lights and not see anything and then turn their lights off and there will be shadow people around their area. Interesting. What are shadow people? People they made of know. shadow. We don't know. We'll get into that on a different episode probably. Potentially is... people who ex- exist uh, in only one uh, or two of... Or actually three, I guess, if you had length, width, and no depth, but time, uh, and perhaps they exist in one of the other 13 dimensions, it's entirely possible for pan-dimensional beings to... uh, They could be multi-dimensional. They could um, possibly be a version of a skinwalker. They could be a spirit. They could be maybe, I don't know, I don't know. They could be CIA operatives wearing cloaking masks. I was going to say a group of people with special abilities. Ooh, or maybe not people at all. Or maybe not people at all. Maybe not people at all. Um, But shadow people are really creepy, and they've been, there are shadow children that have been spotted around. I really don't know much about them. Once again, uh, shadow, shadow child, creepier than a shadow person. Yeah, that's true. Um, Also, strange lights similar to the Marfa lights have been spotted around Big Bend. People have heard whispers and voices around the crests of the mountains there. Now, Marfa is not too far north of Big Bend. No. No. It's not that far away at all. I don't okay. I don't know how far away it is, but not that far. <laughs> gotcha. In Texas, we measure things differently, as we've mentioned before. Probably a few hours. Maybe a couple hours. Maybe like, you know, an hour and four to five minutes Down or so. yonder a bit. If you go as the crow flies, uh, you'll get tired. Um... There is a legend of an Apache woman who was chased down by either white or Mexican bandits, and they were going to, you know, do not great things to her, so she was like, fuck this, I'm out. White bandits do. Yeah, and so she chose death. And she jumped into this canyon and killed herself, and they call it Canyon de Brujas, um, or 
the witch's canyon. And um, people... was she a witch or was she just considered a witch because she killed herself and haunted the canyon afterwards? That. Ah. Um, she was just a regular chick who was chased down by bandits of some sort. And anyway, now where she jumped, moaning is reported to be heard coming from the water of the Rio Grande in that canyon. Interesting. We are going to bring it back to the Native Americans, natives of the area, having given something a name. And then, you know, the reports still, even modern day reports come in from that area. The Chizos Mountains in Big Bend. Um, it translate. it doesn't really translate to ghost or bewitch. It's not a Spanish word, and I googled the hell out of this word, and what I found... You said the Chorizo Mountains? I'm pretty sure that is Spanish. <laughs> oh, man, there is just sausage everywhere. That's what she said. <laughs> she said nothing of the sort. So, um, the Jesus Mountains, what... Uh, oh, NPS... Doc- the Jesus Mountains? The cheeses. No. Cheese as in the sauce. As in cheeses of Nazareth, Port Salut, Baby Buddha, all from the Holy Land. Cheese sauce. Cheese sauce mountains. Cheese so smooth. Cheese and rice. I'm going to start a cult. Okay, you can do that. The god will be baby cheese sauce. Because just imagine. You imagine that icon. Imagine that mean baby cheese sauce. Look, Who doesn't like cults baby are cheese fine sauce? as long as you stay away from like heroin and meth. You're, and LSD, and as LSD. Uh, Charles Manson proved. As he discovered. <laughs> You'll probably be okay. Um, there's such Just successful cults out there. NPS.gov, I found this awesome document, and a lot of people who were, like, first looking at the area to be a national park were really bothered by the fact that people kept saying that it was a Spanish word. It, it sometimes can mean shush, from what I read online. I don't know shush? if that's true. Yes. As in, like, be quiet? Yes. Okay. Uh, but really, they think it's actually a native Apache term that somehow was mistaken for a Spanish term. Interesting. Um, but it is said to mean ghost or bewitched. Okay. And now um, we can get into... Why we have Ruben here today. Now, now I, the, the spelling of it actually, I just want to get into really quick. The spelling of it actually looks French. Of the, what we're about to talk about? Of the, the Bosque? Is that what it is? Well, it's Bosques or Bosques. And but the spelling looks French. And we know that there were several, especially in the South, French and Indian ties during the foundation of America. I actually looked up the um, definition for both of these words. Bo- Bosque is a... Is a it means wooded or covered by trees or bushes. And then bosque is Spanish for forest. And, uh, and as I always say, if it's not bosque, don't fix it. All right. Well, Ruben, do you want to go ahead and tell us what happened to you in the boskies? Well, I'm going to start off with the boskies. There is no spelling for it as far as I know. I don't know anybody else. Because you've thoroughly researched this already. I've tried to. There's nobody. I don't know anybody that's talked about this since my childhood, since my grade school year. So by 1986, I've heard nobody mention the Boskies. But in 1986, was this kind of a common knowledge, common folklore in the area you were growing up? In my grade school, 84 to 86, definitely a few of us 
heard about it. Okay. I think I found it. That's so crazy that that's the timeline. Now, now what exactly? Oh, sorry. Uh, well, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but there were a couple of serial killers, and one of them was active in 87. But, okay, so this was this was kind of, it wasn't necessarily a common thing, but it was something that you had heard about. Now, what exactly, um, I guess, what did you hear? What are, give us a definition. What are the Boskis? What did you hear about? What, what were they? So, <clears throat> there's no spelling for it. Right. I'm going to say it's to me. If I'm the only person that knows, that has heard of it at this point, and if anybody has heard of, remembers the Boskis, Comment in below. Let us know. The Boskies, El Paso, Texas, we'll do Upper an Valley. We'll this episode, too. Mm-hmm. The Upper Valley, uh, not too far from the Rio Grande. Okay. Um, grade school-wise, close to Zach White, if anybody is familiar with this. Zach White Elementary School. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between Zach White and, let's say, if anybody's familiar with this, Rosinante in the Upper Valley. In the desert, there was... A small forest of dead trees. Was it was it always present, or was it just rumored to be there? Rumored to be there were uh, during the eighties. There was a satanic scare. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that was just. I the mean, there were there was a huge the satanic panic yeah. exactly. Rumor of where people would hang cats from trees, skin cats, sacrifice cats. Everyone like who that. was doing anything weird mm-hmm. was reported in the newspapers it being was a Satanist panic. at the time. It was a panic. Yes. Well, um, you know, I would say less than a dozen boys in grade school had mentioned it. So very few people. Um, I was a very adventurous little kid. I loved riding my bike out into the desert for hours and hours and hours for a decade. Because um, what else are you going to do in the desert? Nothing. Except explore. You gotta ride dirty. your bike, you gotta explore, you gotta get a little dirty. Get dirty and catch animals. Absolutely. So, actually, I was you probably. You referred to yourself as a lizard the first time you talked about I me was, this and I always used to catch lizards, and that makes sense of why I was out there. I caught lizards for years in El Paso. I found, and if anybody's familiar with it, uh, before Lake Willows, the neighborhood, the area of desert that would become a neighborhood known as Lake Willows, it was out there somewhere. It was out there. I can almost see it. I finally found it. Not a developed area, just kind of just outside of town it was at the time. It was being developed, and it was parts of it had been developed and turned into houses, but it was quite a huge amount of desert. And what is so, it right now? Uh, Lake Willows, between Rosinante and Zach White School, Boy Scout Lane, whatever, west side of El Paso. If you live in Lake Willows and you're listening to this podcast, uh, shoot us a comment. Let us know if you have experienced anything weird. If you live in Lake Willows, you live in a place that used to be a desert and used to have a very messed up little forest. It doesn't exist. It's a neighborhood. Okay. None of it is there. All been demolished. Built on. I okay. watched it develop. So I rode now, my bike and saw desert being developed into plots of land. But you found this little wooded area. Found this little wooded area after hearing about the Boskies. So you went, were you searching for it? Were you looking for no, it? No, I explored. Just going out hunting lizards but it was and the right uh, spot. happened upon it. Mm-hmm. It was right. the right spot. It was right where... 
it was pretty much described. Mm-hmm. Okay. And here are the dead trees because it's a desert. And it's almost like, you know, dead trees, like an area, almost like a wooded area. What kind of trees were they? I wouldn't know, but knowing that whole place and knowing that Lake Willows exists there and streets are named Lazy Willow, Whipping Willow, Whispering Willow, Willows. I would say, without knowing much, my guess, never thought about it until you asked. Probably dead willows everywhere. that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Wow. Um... Well, I walked in. I walked in um, alone, kid, ten years old, BMX bike. Were you were you hauling your bike, or did you leave the bike outside? I think I walked it in a few yards and just laid it down and walked. Fair. And you know, there's not too much to the story except it was during the panic of you know satanic activity and what have you. And little, you know, silly nowadays especially, but back then, being about eight, nine, ten years old, you've walked into this area, you're like five minutes deep in, there's no one else around, and you find a book, a beat-up book, missing the cover of, you know, Amityville Horror. Doesn't It's not creepy to me as an adult, but when you see it out there in the middle of nowhere, it's so and you've heard of this place. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no Necronomicon, mm-hmm. well, but it's still... Mm-hmm. It's still kind of creepy. I didn't see much that day. My story ends very quickly. Kept right. walking. Rectangle on the ground, three, three feet deep. I'd say four feet by six, six feet. Very wide. Grave. Just waiting to be filled. Just freshly dug. And just waiting to be filled. And I'm just standing there in front of it, and it's... Time to leave. And you told me that one of the things you were thinking at the time was, why is this grave here, why is it empty, and why is it so shallow? Because who's going who's gonna to find that grave? Number one, you don't have to dig that deep. It's the desert. People you, uh, are buried in the desert. And in that is The true. Chihuahua Desert. Juarez, El Paso. I do not know this uh, firsthand. However, I'm willing to say that I have heard rumors that it is much harder to dig six feet down than the average person thinks it would be. Yeah. I've only um, dug three feet for a dog. It's there, really hard. It's it's amazingly difficult. And uh, if you're going to be, like I said, there's, there's things that happen out in the woods somewhere that uh, aren't supernatural. That are actually scary. are More real. terrifying. Than the supernatural. Real and much, much more terrifying because they are, I will call them four-dimensionally real. And I, um, There were some things happening in the area around the time that you witnessed this uh, that might, might not be applicable. So when you left the woods... Um, did you try to go back anytime soon after that? Probably within days. Did you find anything when you went back? If I walked in again, which I must have, because that was me, and I remember actually, because it was trying to be constructed, you know, cleared and what have you. You but, know it's about to disappear. There's well, an impetus yeah, to go check it out. Yeah, um, I was going to see the desert of my backyard. I was going to see it. 
till it wasn't a desert anymore and it was a neighborhood. Absolutely. I can still picture quail the, running take around. Take the advantage when you have it because memories... I can picture all the wildlife that used to live out there that doesn't exist in El Paso anymore. That was the, there in the 80s. At the end I of all things, what you truly have, if, if there is any life after death and we do take anything with us afterwards, the only thing we truly have is what we've experienced and what we remember. Well, so I understand the impetus. I think I know what you're asking. I did go back to look for it. And it's not just that the land was being cleared in the neighborhood because as I'm trying to picture exactly, and it's hard to picture where that spot was. It's so, it's nebulous. It's almost like a nexus, you know. Um, it disappeared. It disappeared. It was when you went back, the, the, the entire Not the woods. next time, but it just... And I you couldn't find it. You I don't knew. mean disappeared in it had been cleared out and there was a big it, patch of brand new cleared land where it used to be. I couldn't find it and I knew where it was. Like it was were just the landmarks, continuing desert? The landmarks were the same, but it simply wasn't it, there? I can't explain it. It wasn't there. It was like a gap of land. It's not like it was missing. It's just the just terrain like, Just the terrain was much there. smaller and missing something smaller that used to be in front of me. It's like a huge chunk of, a chunk, a small chunk of desert, wooded, dead trees by the river. It just didn't exist. Now, when you found that it didn't exist, did you try to enter the land that wasn't there? Sand. I mean, did did you walk into the middle of that sand and look around and say... There was nothing there. The land wasn't there. Um, It was... It was like if 500 feet, 1,000 feet of dead trees were gone. Just completely gone. And not the trees were gone. That physical space shrunk to, shrunk shut, like a donut taking in its hole and and shutting down. Did you try to, when you observed that, did you get off your bike and again try to enter that shrunken donut hole? No, it just didn't exist. It was sand. Okay. It was a sand and a ditch in front of it. Okay. Somehow, a lot of land became a, a few bit. yards of desert and a ditch. It's really interesting that you found a grave to me because, like I said, there were two serial killers from El Paso active during this time. The first one is very well known, Richard Ramirez. He was known as a night stalker. He killed at least 14. He raped and tortured two dozen more at least. He was epileptic a heavy drug abuser, uh, he got into Satanism at a young age, um, he got, he had a lot of head injuries as a kid, and he had this, like, Vietnam vet cousin that used to get him stoned and then, like, tell him and show him all the horrible shit he did in Vietnam, and, um, he watched that same cousin murder his wife when, uh, Richard Ramirez was only 13. He watched that happen. And listen, if you want to have just an evening of horror and you want to pop some popcorn and go to sleep and have a nightmare that will fuck you up for life, go ahead and Google Richard Ramirez images and just look into his eyes. Look deep just into look at his, his eyes. Face. He looks better. Oh my, you want to talk about a human monster. And if you do that, imagine being in your bed, open your eyes, and seeing him just standing there watching you. I'd rather not. All right, everyone, I would like to take a moment to give a shout-out to Brothers Construction of Austin. 
whether you're building a barn to protect your goats from chupacabra or remodeling your kitchen after Bigfoot found the lima beans, uh, Brothers Construction is the only name you need to know. Fully insured and bonded, Brothers Construction is a full-scale, no-hassle operation specializing in turnkey construction, including electrical and plumbing. If you're in Central Texas, from Dripping Springs to Bastrop, San Marcos to Leander, you need to contact Brothers Construction. Tell them you heard about them on In the Woods somewhere, and they're going to knock $100 off your quote just like that. Find them on Facebook at Brothers Construction ATX, or shoot them an email at brothersconstructionaustin at gmail.com. You'll wind up recommending them to your friends. There is now a park that I feel like if anybody happens to research this subject from the show, they might run into this park online, but mm. it is not the same thing you're talking about at all. It's um, Rio Bosque Wetlands Park. It's 372-acre city park composed of wetlands and river for riverside forest, but it was turned into a park in 1995. However, it's located on, um, on the border, U.S.-Mexico border, in southeast El Paso, off of uh, Socorro Road, south of 375. So it's in a completely different side of town. And there and are no haunted stories or anything I could mm -hmm. find about that park. The Boskies that you are talking about, uh, which appear and disappear like Brigadoon, uh, have actually now been turned into a subdivision. And no, because that would be real Bosque, um, yes, I'm which sorry. I'm not familiar with, but Bosque. So Boskies, I'm sure, came from the Spanish word Bosque. Yeah. So I wanted to say, I thought it was interesting um, because you said that there was a grave out there. And there were two serial killers, which we were talking about. Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, he killed at least 14. He raped and tortured probably two dozen more at least. Dropped out of school in ninth grade. Um, he was in and out of jail for theft of drugs, and then he began breaking into people's houses, raping them and murdering them in 84. A lot of his murders happened in 85, um, but he was not actually in El Paso during this time period. He moved to California in 1977. Now, was he the one that kept breaking out of prison, or was, was that Ted Bundy? That was Bundy. That was Bundy, okay. Um, and I got this information off of biography.com. However, there was another lesser-known serial killer in El Paso, and he was active in 1987. So He's, during this, uh, this time that you were... Uh, about the same right, time period the same that area. you were talking about. His name was David Wood. Is David Wood, actually. He's still alive. Um, he was. Is he in prison? He is in prison. Good for him. He became... <laughs> Good, good for, for us. Good for all of us. Good for all of and us. And all of the young ladies out there. Hopefully very, very, very bad for him. Yeah. Um, he became sexually active and involved in drugs and alcohol at a very early age. His parents got divorced. His mom was mentally ill. And so during the separation of his parents, he and his siblings were in and out of foster homes. Um, he has a below average IQ of 68, according to a state-sanctioned psychiatrist. He still maintains his innocence. Um, he became a predator in the 70s, a sexual predator in the 70s. There's a lot of... Um, he was arrested several times for sexually molesting young girls. And in 1987, while he was in parole, on parole in El Paso, nine teenage girls uh, went missing. Their ages ranged from 13 to 24. Six of those bodies were found out in the desert and three of them were never found. Um, 
Now, is it possible that these were alien abductions and they're just using this guy as a patsy because he maintains his innocence? If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. No, but it is... It is his claim that the um, government, the officials and police around the area are making him out to be an escape goat. An escape goat. An escape goat. Excellent. An escaping Excellent. goat. Don't let your goats escape, I, folks. The I, chupacabra will get them. IQ of 68. Fair, fair. <laughs> An escape goat. Um, however, when he was given the chance to take the stand, take an oath, and dispute witness claims, he chose to stay silent. And um, he also, he raped a prostitute in 1987 as well. In that same time period, in the same area, he tied her up in the same area of the desert where the bodies were found, those six bodies were found. Ah. And he was actually uh, sentenced to 50 years in prison for this in 88. And then in nine, 1990 is when they brought the murder charges upon him. He's now, I'm still... sure that a little bit later, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm impressed that he actually got uh, prosecuted for that. I'm sure a little bit later when we go into Missing 411 a little bit, we'll talk about the, the, less, dead. the less dead. Yeah, I was actually really impressed by that too. Good job to El Paso police. Bravo. Prostitutes have rights. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. I truly believe that. Um, Pimps are scum. Prostitutes aren't. Hey, yep. if you legalize it, ladies. man, it just makes it so much safer. Make your money how you gotta make your money, honey. Um, be he's, safe. He's please be safe. He's he's still on death row actually at Allen B. Polinsky Unit State Prison in Livingston, Texas. He's probably about sixty-one now, and um, the the area of the desert where he sent his body or whatever, where they found the bodies was actually northeast El Paso, so it's closer to the area you were talking about? No. no? Um, was your But I know west? northeast El Paso. I had friends who went to high school in Hanks and Irvin. That would be northeast El Paso. I lived in the west side, the snob part of El Paso, where everybody's rich, even the non-rich are still snobs and rich. Ah, yes, the rich <laughs> and those who think they should be rich. Um, the people you that everybody like, else thinks are rich who are not rich, exactly. but then you're no, treated no. Any, like you're not rich, but they any, think they should be. Any woman who walks into Olive Garden with a bobbed haircut and bleach blonde hair and like an asymmetrical cut. I see what you mean, but I, from my personal experience, any woman walking down the streets of L.A. with a dog in her purse. But she Same might. thing. Same thing. Unless that dog is a Great Dane, in which case, bravo you, you work it, girl. Putting it in a purse, that's hard. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> if you can achieve that, you can work that. If you can wrestle a tiny angry chihuahua, a cryptid in itself, into a purse, Chihuahuas you know what? may very well be cryptids that they have biological evidence for. I know my dog's a cryptid. Your, a dog, your dog is Egyptian, He's which all things Egyptians might be cryptids, might have alien origins. We all know about the pyramids. We've seen the research. We've seen the uh, History Channel documentaries. Are you saying he's an alien or a cryptid? Yes. He's both. I'm saying he's a dog. He has the biggest ears and the biggest mouth and the tiniest paws in the whole world. But he argues well. He does argue well. He doesn't argue as well as my cats argue, though. Mike and I were on the phone together and talking about this podcast... And I hear my cats messing around with each other. So I'm like, hey, guys, stop it. What are you doing? Stop. 
And they both look at me, and then I was like, oh, sorry, the cats. And Mike was like, yeah, whatever. And then I hear his cat, Hagrid, on the other end go, Meow! and I hear Mike say. Now, now I have uh, Hagrid is a Maine Coon. They're traditionally vocal. But this cat will not just, he'll give a meow. And then if I don't pay attention immediately, he'll give a meow. He will yell. Uh, and the window was already open. I had no idea what he was yelling about. But we were both on the phone with each other, arguing with our cats separately. Yes. Um, we're going to do a show on the fact that cats are cryptids, I promise. Uh, they have I will to keep be. hinting about it until I get my show, damn it. I agree with you, and we will do that show one day because, uh, yeah, they're definitely cryptids. <laughs> um, they're brainwaves. So, so there are a lot of things. Now, we can, uh, let's see, where are we? We can go into a little bit of Missing 411. We could potentially also do an entire episode on this. Um, now, we're talking mostly right now about the, uh, and again, in the woods somewhere, the people who go missing. Yes? Yeah, they, they will be two steps behind you. You'll be talking to them and then turn around because they haven't replied to you and they will be gone. It's like a piecemeal rapture, but lots creepier. Yeah. Um, because it does just happen one person at a time and you were telling me Ruben groups of people will be looking for this person because they were literally right behind them and then there is no evidence. Of it. And you're not talking about just normal, everyday Amber Alert abductions. No, missing 411, uh, David Politis, um, former uh, police investigator, written a few books um, without and, going... And missing 411 is actually going to be a movie coming out soon. Uh, I what? believe the movie has come out. I have not watched the movie from the little... And I want to, but I feel like I need to read seven fat books before I watch that documentary. Probably not a bad idea, especially mm. when concerning this particular subject. And uh, from the little I've heard, not trying to put down the documentary, people should go watch it, seek it out, even though I haven't yet. It doesn't sound like it's going to be enough for me because I've been following this for about six years. And uh, Any, Anything that is condensed into a format is unfortunately condensed into a format. Absolutely. And it, it can never give you all the information that reading the book or doing the actual research could. Well... David Politis was approached by two forest rangers who made him aware that state parks, national parks, a lot of people have disappeared for, well, recorded for decades, um, but not being tracked well enough, not being reported past about two weeks, and sir, please research this. So he started looking into it. And if you look into the number of people who go missing just in America uh, every year, you really, you can find some startling numbers and those numbers are admittedly a small fraction of what is actually documented. Yeah. And with David Politis, what he writes about, it's not about missing in America, it's not even missing in parks. It's about specific 
facts that keep showing up in the reports that he has done of specific people disappearing in parks. For instance? Well, you know, um, six years of listening to his interviews, reading up a little bit about it, listen to a lot of his interviews. Maybe I haven't read a lot about it, but I've listened to dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of his interviews. There are rules that start emerging. Don't be the last one in line if you're hiking with people. All of these things are going to sound silly. I'm just reporting what he reports. Don't pick berries. Don't pick berries. Why not? Don't pick berries. Don't pick berries, okay. Don't pick berries. Don't pause I, to pick berries? Is, uh, do you know if it's the act of like, picking the berries or just the stopping and letting your just facts, you? Just facts. Okay. Well, okay. maybe just rules. Okay. Just things and like he can't explain it. I can't explain it. I definitely can't explain it. He's written six books. If you follow him, he refuses to answer. If anybody asks him, what do you think is causing people to disappear? He will not answer it. He will just put every fact down on paper. But if you don't just want to vanish off the face of the earth without a trace, these are good rules to follow. Don't camp in places with creepy names. Cape Fear, Devil's Backbone, um, Devil's Triangle. The weird thing is, through the research, just the amount I've done on the show and a little bit that I've done before because I'm interested in this sort of thing, oftentimes those places are not just names for tourist traps, you know? No, they are... Usually they history. have very historical histor- historical uh, names that come from a very real reason. It could have been Western European settlers in the continental United States. The names could have come from... Well, the Devil's Backbone is named as such because it is a lo- it's one of those long, skinny roads, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have died. There are crosses all over that little highway... Also, yeah, there's a reason it's not called the Angel's Backbone. Yeah, well, there's also Angel reportings wings. of people will hear, um, like, hoof horses going down that highway. Hoof horses? Hoof horses. Are those like devil dogs? Hoof horses. Horse hoofs. It's actually just a man with a large backpack cleaning <laughs> some coconuts together as he runs down the road. Uh... Uh, what are, okay, so what are they some other politest. What are some other rules? So he wrote a few books. Uh, I'm just going like to say I'm going to Death of the Six Teenagers mm-hmm. Valley. Well, he's written a few books. Uh, the first one was the West Coast and the Appalachian Trail, like um, child abdu- abduction that happened there. There I is recommend a story of a young man that went a little boy that went missing there, and he's supposed to still haunt the Appalachian Trail. There are a lot quite of stories. a few child disappearances, child abductions sure. throughout throughout the. Uh, there, the Appalachian Trail is filled with, uh, if anybody's ever seen Deliverance mm-hmm. and the phrase, I want to hear you squeal like a pig, oh, uh, yes. that was that was in the Appalachians. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Well, the first book, West Coast. Second book, East Coast. And at that point, he didn't really feel that there were areas like in the West Coast and East Coast down the middle of the country. Then there's a third book. Then I believe the, the, f- Coast. Mm-hmm. the fourth book, um, The Devil's in the Details, that spells out some of these places with these names um, should be avoided, or maybe you shouldn't sleep there, so or def- be careful. Definitely look into those mm-hmm. books. 
Um, the next book covered outside of America, and so Australia, Norway, and some of the rules there that start coming out in that book. So the rules are different for different regions? Well, as he's put six, seven years of his Can life into this. Can you pick berries in Transylvania? I wouldn't try to do much in Transylvania. <laughs> Here's my thing. I would think that uh, don't sleep over, don't dream in these mm -hmm. places is probably a very common rule. Some of the things that you all have brought up today, like little people, let's say, or... The Pukwudgie. Pukwudgies. So boulders in Australia, in Norway, people really feel that the boulders have spirits or are alive and some of the disappearances yes. happening. Yes, the uh, hinder folk or mm. hindle folk, hinder, hinder or hindle folk. So it took well, I've, I've said many times that who can measure the heartbeat of a mountain? They're also known as elves. There you go. He doesn't say the word elf, but he leaves, he lets, he just writes well, Australia is very close to New Zealand. You don't want to get too far into elves, otherwise you got to go to dwarves and Mordor. And this there you New go. Zealand uh, uh, connection to Lord of the Rings has just really messed up the lore of the area. Going with the boulders in Australia and Norway. I don't care where you are. If you see a hole in the ground, just walk away. It's Fairies and trolls and folklore that go back many centuries might be, in his fourth or fifth book, might be tying into maybe their, and he won't say what he believes, maybe, I almost feel that sometimes he's saying maybe there's spirits, there's spirits of the woods, small people, whether they're fairies or trolls or whatever the name might be, whether in the United States or Western Europe or Australia. But he has made a point, he's written enough where it started coming out to him that granite boulders, areas with granite boulders, another good place to disappear. That's interesting. And that's why I'm bringing up the boulders. Um, and then, interesting going back to the American ones. I was going to say, interestingly, however, uh, from the research that I've been reading, mm -hmm. now, if you sleep on the top of Enchanted Rock, it is possible that you will either lose time or disappear. However, as far as... And that's something we talked about in a previous episode. As far as aligning your chakras, meditating on top of Enchanted Rock uh, is amazingly beneficial. Just don't fall asleep. Right. Don't ever fall asleep. That's really the key. Don't fall asleep. That's just the moral of our show. Don't ever go to sleep. And on that... Never sleep again. Are we ready to wrap? I think so. Um, well, thank you. Thank you so much, Ruben. Again, I'm sure it's we will have you. It's been such a pleasure having you on here. I've been so excited for this all week. Ever since you said you would welcome. do this, I've You're been welcome. so, so excited. Well, we're going to do another episode, and we're going to have you in again, I'm sure. Well, I'm going to not let the missing 411 thing in quite yet. Okay, go ahead. David Politis, anybody that wants to do research, D-A-V-I-D, Politis, P-A-U-L-I-D-E-S, his first website, the Canna Missing Persons Project. Anybody that's somewhat interested actually wants to make a try to make a difference. I would recommend going there. That site advises on how to reach out to elected officials and push them, Congress, Senate, governors, and the media to start investigating and putting a spotlight on this and not blowing, not just having missing people search for for two weeks, 
eight days, 10 days, and then you forget about it. No so more done. stories. And it's not recorded by, yeah. you know, the interior department are not keeping records on the people disappearing on national lands. They won't keep. They will keep records on every roll of toilet paper they have in every state park across America. They're not keeping records, and they're law enforcement who have been trained, just like any police officer. They're not keeping records, and that's why two forest rangers first approached David Politis and said somebody needs to get attention on this. So the missing Can-Am, uh, the Can-Am Missing Persons Project and all his overall information can be found under Missing 411. I recommend any of his uh, looking up, listen to any of his interviews, especially on Coast to Coast with like Art Bell or who have you over the years. Right. Those are excellent. And they stretch seven years. All right. Thank and you le- Listen, let me just say uh, to all of our listeners out there that if, uh, if you take it upon yourself to actually start researching some of the stuff we talk about on this show, you may find a rabbit hole that leads to something very real and that leads to something that uh, requires you to be socially responsible. Um, that's on you. This is satire. Go ahead. Well, thank you again, Ruben, <laughs> for thank having you so much, us Ruben. on. Um, that Next week, uh, it's very exciting. We are uh, talking to a local entrepreneur. Um, uh, about fairly... Haunted San... We'll be... Next week, we'll be discussing uh, with a local entrepreneur, uh, Haunted San Marcos. And... Now, this entrepreneur is a very good man, a solid man, a new father, and also um, our boss. Our boss. So that's got to go well. It, it... Nothing can go wrong. Interviewing him about ghosts and weird things that happen in San Marcos can't possibly uh, go wrong in any it way. It can't possibly show him that his two bakers are incredibly insane. But we're just going to take a small moment of time to Maybe focus on the town. we spend too much time on the table. We spend a lot of time. Oh, we just spend a lot of time. But Chase Cats will be with us next week discussing Haunted San Marcos. We hope that you'll join us and we'll talk to you next time in the woods somewhere. Find us on our Facebook page, In the Woods Somewhere, or on our website, inthewoodsomewhere.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at In the Woods Cats, or you can just shoot us a story or a question, or just tell us how much you love us at contact at inthewoodsomewhere.com.